Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. G'day, fearmongers. Daniel Itch here with a slightly different irrational fear for you today. First of all, a big shout out to new Patreon supporters, including Sam McLean, Steeljaw Panda, who appears to be supporting every single podcast in Australia. Thank you, Steeljaw Panda, for dropping us some money a month. And a big thanks to Sean, who's giving us 10 bucks a month. He signed up at the 100th episode live show last week, so he could basically secure himself a signed poster of the event. Good on you, Sean. If you want to support Irrational Fear, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Irrational Fear. Last week's episode, the 100th episode, was so Great. So magnificent. If you're sad that this is not going to be a traditional irrational fear, just go back an episode and listen to that one. <laughs> it was also very good. Sorry, I can't give you a proper rational fear today. I'm just so slammed on a bunch of projects, but um, it does mean there are going to be some good projects coming down the line for us, including a Melbourne Comedy Festival show, which we're trying to lock in, and a big regional tour around New South Wales. So stay tuned for details on that. And oh, I'm <laughs> today of all days as well. I'm so completely cognizant of the Facebook meltdown that is happening with media in Australia and Facebook news in Australia. I just, I I wish I had the capacity to spend half an hour ripping it to shreds. Instead, I have found a few great tweets that I'll share with you. I just think there are some really good tweets going around and these people deserve a special mention, including Nina Oyama, who wrote, So let me get this straight. A guy made a website to rate the hotness of women at uni and now Australia can't get the news on the biggest social media platform. Sounds cool and normal. Thank you, Nina. I thought that was excellent work from her. This one from Evan Williams, who is one of my favourite writers. He wrote, working in media over the last decade. We're pivoting from our website to Facebook. We're pivoting from articles to video because Facebook likes video. Hmm, Did Facebook change their algorithm or something? We're pivoting to our website. This is absolutely true. A perfect distillation for how media strategies had to work over the last decade. Publishers have just been pandering to Facebook, trying to play their game, trying to trying to jack their views through Facebook, but constantly Facebook changes the way 
news is seen and completely rorts publishers in a way that means you're never going to get your stuff seen by hardly anyone unless you actually pay for it. So, you know, this is great. So I don't, as a publisher myself, I don't care. I feel very, um, very strongly and very proud that I managed to pull together a strong email list uh, as opposed to relying on Facebook for distribution of the podcast because, gee whiz, if, you, if, if you're using Facebook as your primary publishing platform, that is hard work. And this one from Paul Kidd. I love this. So yesterday, Facebook Australia banned Pete Evans for posting fake news. And today they banned everyone from posting real news. Question mark? Not a question mark. It's true. Look, when it comes down to it, Facebook are a malign actor. Any company that allows their platform to be used to create genocide and not even blink while it's happening isn't the kind of partner or platform you want to share in good faith your work to an audience with. So in many respects, this move, though it may be temporary, is I kind of welcome it. It's a real shame that publishers aren't getting the traffic that they need to rely on to get their ad revenue. But at the same time, Facebook are a bad actor. And um, yeah, fuck them. Having said that, Please enjoy this episode of Irrational Fear. I chat with Dylan Bain, the host and creator of the News Fighters podcast. He is an extraordinary creator. He helps me out a lot with Irrational Fear over the years. And we've worked together on TV shows for 15 years now. And this episode of News Fighters is particularly good. It came out on Monday, so it's a little bit bit old, but still very enjoyable. Once you finish listening to this episode, please go and sign up and subscribe to News Fighters because it's going to be a perfect companion for Irrational Fear. I'm recording my end of Irrational Fear on Gadigal land in the Yora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. More than ever, we need a treaty. Let's start the show. Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra Fair Dickum, and Section 44. Irrational Fear recommends listening by immature audiences. G'day, it's a bit of a strange Irrational Fear this week. We've got some something new. A quick chat with... Um, Old friend of the show, Dylan Bain. G'day, Dylan. G'day, g'day. How are you going? Good, Good to be uh, not behind the DJ decks for a change <laughs> and be able to say hello to everyone out there. That's right. If you've come to an Irrational Fear show over the last eight years, you probably would have seen Dylan up on stage being, as he like self-describes, as the Paul Schaefer of the show. Hobo Paul Schaefer. <laughs> Hobo <laughs> Paul Schaefer. <laughs> I mentioned that fact uh, on, the, on the show last week, the live show, and half the audience went, oh. As if there was a sympathy. There's nothing to be, nothing to be. Paul Schaefer's a dude. He's a legend. I, we all, we all wish we'd have half the career Paul Schaefer did. Oh my god, Spinal Tap, you name it. He's been, in, he's done everything. It's Raining Men. He, yes. He, he composed It's Raining. Let's not exactly. forget he composed It's Raining Men. Dylan, I thought I'd get you on the show because you create an incredible podcast called News Fighters. And it's one of my favorite podcasts. Like it, it's often um, what I'd like to think I could do with a rational fear, but I just don't have the time or capacity to find all the incredible bits of <laughs> tape that you find and then string it all together. Um, I really hate jumping on the editing tools, but you know, you as a professional TV comedy editor, Thank you. Two decades of comedy TV behind you, would you say? A decade and a half, I think. I think we did, the first thing we did together, which was kind of at the beginning of my career, was Ronnie Johns. I was assistant editor on that, which is what, 15 years ago now? That's right. You were assistant editor on the Ronnie Johns half hour. That's when we were were both starting our careers. They gave me, an idiot, a TV show. (laughs) 
uh, and they let you, an idiot, edit a TV show. <laughs> yes, I was on the night shift though, so I never saw you. I think I saw you once during the whole season, and then at the rap party, we we met properly. <laughs> yeah. So, how do you go about finding the work in News Fighters? Is so extraordinary. Like you put so much detail and effort into it, and sweat into it, um, and it sounds it's a cacophony of the news. It's basically the news regurgitated in your ears with sardonic jokes. It's it's a, imagine like news swipe from Charlie Brooker, but but with with, but with Australian accent pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess it's kind of inspired by we both worked on Tonightly and and it was very much inspired by just uh, the the kind of nightly news monologues that that Tom Ballard did and the and the late shows in America do where you watch all the news and find the funniest clips and then it's like you banter around the clips. So I don't have a banter news podcast with another person. I, I play the clips and then I riff off the clips and have sarcastic jokes off the clips. So my whole life is watching as much news as possible, most of it at double speed and finding the funny bits where people say stupid things and look like idiots. And then I go, ha, look at this idiot. <laughs> so look, look, another idiot. Surprise. Yes. It's so yes. it's kind of, you are the perfect person to do this because you've spent so long in the content minds working on TV shows like it, having worked on uh, The Chaser and Tonightly and at Home Alone Together. Uh, you, I, I, don't you have news fatigue? Don't you just wish you could just get stuck into a drama? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'm, you know, I'm trying. Look, I think this is why actually I'm, I'm told everyone I'm taking a week off next week. All the, all the US late night shows, it seems, take a week off every five or six weeks. And you just need a week off because as soon as I finish an episode, I'm straight back watching the news again. And my girlfriend hates me because <laughs> it's, you know, it's when you're, when you're trying to make a news show every week, you don't switch off from the news. So I'm going to yep. take next week off and I don't know, maybe watch like a James Bond movie or, an, or an <laughs> Indiana Jones or something completely unrelated to the news. That's so interesting. You know, remember when we were working on Tonightly and we had a couple of friends visit from America, um, mm. one who worked on SNL, one who worked on The Daily Show and that they, they mm. were, they were touring around Australia and New Zealand. They came and spoke, spoke and I think at that stage we'd be going six months pretty straight delivering a news comedy program for nights a week. Yeah, our longest run in the first season was, and it was insane. I was trying to tell everyone it was insane because we were all burned out. I think we did 12 weeks second season and 16 weeks or something the first season without a week off. And when we when we told those guys our schedule, the SNL person was like, "What? We only do like four weeks on, one week off." <laughs> yeah, I think SN, SNL. Everyone on on the SNL Twitter was complaining. During the last the US election in November, they did five weeks straight. <laughs> <laughs> it, so it's incredible. Like, the, the, like when you talk about, and when people talk about defunding the ABC, the ABC is more more bang per buck than any other TV network in the world, <laughs> particularly when it comes to wacky news. Oh, absolutely. And you also had the privilege of working on um, Planet America this this year as well, right? No, no. Uh, but I did have Chaz on. Oh, actually, I did help Chaz. I did. Chaz, talk to Chaz, consult with him about the uh, Planet America podcast, Pep. Chaz came to me and was like, hey, what's this podcast thing? And now Pep is huge. So I did, you're right. I did help a little bit out uh, just consulting Chaz and t- giving him some advice on on podcast land. But the TV show, no, I am, I am yet to, I'm yet to work on the TV show. It's probably more a relief to you. So you, don't, you can only focus on <laughs> one country's news at once. Exactly. I would be completely, completely overloaded, completely overloaded. 
Uh, Dylan, speaking of overloaded, uh, you know, the reason to, to do this conversation is so I can take a week off. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. I'm happy to feed your appetite for content by letting you play uh, the most recent episode of, of News Fighters. And also after the 100th episode last week, Oh, it was huge. You absolutely deserve a week off. That was that was mammoth. <laughs> uh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. And I, I I thought the show was really good. It, was, it might have been one of the best live shows we've had on oh, ever, maybe. It's definitely my top three live shows. It was a, a very special moment and far out. You know, when you when you get to 100 episodes, you're like, fuck, you know, we've actually made something fun here. You know, we've de- delighted lots of people along the way and that's pretty fun. Uh, yeah, and it was great to watch it from the audience for the first time in a long time and actually not be nervous about, oh, what song do I play next? Actually just soak it up as an audience <laughs> member and be like, this is great. This is amazing. This is a great show. What, a, what an incredible community of like-minded fans we have as well. It was great to actually be in a room watching comedy again. Uh, first time in a year, I think, for me, but pretty close, maybe the second time, yeah. Well, it was so great to be back up on stage. And one thing that made me feel the privilege of that moment was seeing comments on the photos from people who live overseas. You know, my, my friends my friends in Los Angeles and London were like, I can't believe there is a place in the world where you get to get up on stage with 10 people and do comedy. That That is that is incredible privilege. And I think that's that's something I feel like everyone in the, new, in the room felt at the time. Like it was one Absolutely, of those moments yeah. it was like, I it feels so good to be back up on stage. It feels so good to be together in a space laughing in the dark, which is just something hasn't hasn't happened at all. Yeah, get get out there and see some live comedy before we endure a few more snap lockdowns this coming winter. <laughs> Dill, can you give us a little teaser as to what we're about to listen to? Yes. So uh, the show's evolved a bit this year. It's turned, um, I've got a distributor, which is Sans Pants Radio, and I've uh, started doing interviews in the show, which is kind of fun just to just to break it up a bit more. So um, I kind of, the first half of the show is kind of a monologue about the news. So I talk about the the vaccines landing in Australia, the Greg Hunt versus Antifa radical lefty Michael Rowland Stoush that you talked about on the 100th episode of Irrational Fear, and, of course, the Melbourne lockdown. And then my guest in the interview uh, is Tonightly's own Wyatt Nixon Lloyd, zooming in from Perth to talk about uh, the Perth Festival, which he has a show in, and the WA elections. So, yeah, I'm basically making a half-hour TV show by myself every week, which is ridiculous because it's on it's on YouTube as well. If you want to actually see all the funny clips and and um, and all that kind of sense, all that kind of stuff as well, of, of course, because the clips are part of the show. I've watched it on YouTube, but it's it's great fun. And your reaction? Are you still wearing the sunglasses in the show? Sometimes that was just to cover up the fact that I was clearly, obviously reading the script <laughs> off the laptop. But I don't think people, ca- I don't think people care anymore. You know who does that trick? Casey Neistat, the the uh, old man boomer of YouTube. He loves the sunglasses because of that reason. It's clever. I, I, it, it would be easier if I just wrote the script ahead of time and memorized it. But I, I'm literally making this show in about two days. So it's, it's hot off the press, fresh off the press. Dylan, thank you very much for all your work on Irrational Fear. And thank you for continuing to make news fighters, even though you are slammed as well, doing your thank, regular jobs. Thanks, Dan. And thanks, thanks for having me on Irrational Fear and all your support over the years. And uh, looking forward to 100 more. Woo! Woo! This is News Fighters. We fight.
the news so you don't have to. With Dylan Behan. Yes, hello, fighters. Welcome to the News Fighters podcast for today, February the 17th, 2021. I'm your host, Dylan Bain. Coming up on today's show, we're joined by ARIA award-winning comedy songwriter Wyatt Nixon Lloyd, who's dialing in from Perth to give us a preview of the Western Australian election coming up on March the 13th. Of course, it's going to be highly popular for the WA Premier to tell the rest of Australia to get lost. But first, the drought is over. Coronavirus vaccines. Yes, and the biggest news out of the TGA since they issued a compliance review of vitamin gummies. The AstraZeneca vaccine has been granted provisional approval by the Therapeutic Goods Administration. Yes, we finally approved the Aussie-made AstraZeneca vaccine. Truly the is Pepsi okay of vaccines. But don't worry, efficacy snobs. The eagle has landed. That's how the Federal Health Minister announced today's arrival of the first batch of the Pfizer vaccine. The first shipment of COVID vaccines touches down in Sydney just after midday. A moment so significant, the Health Minister likens it to man landing on the moon. The eagle has landed. Also, I think the moon landing comparison is completely fair because this is very much like when America triumphantly landed people on the moon right behind Iceland, Latvia, Bulgaria and about 60 other countries. But don't worry, jab fiends. The vaccine is being kept safe and sound under tight security. From here, the vaccine load will be transported to a warehouse at a secret location in Western Sydney. A security blanket has been thrown over this entire operation. They've even asked for our chopper not to follow it through Sydney streets. They are that concerned about possible infiltration by organised crime. Yeah, look, I'm sure that if somehow organised crime managed to steal the only pallet of coronavirus vaccine in Australia, uh, we'd be able to track it down pretty quickly. The, the guy at your local pub trying to sell you a jab would immediately arouse suspicion, as would uh, anyone trying to sell it on Gumtree at this stage. Mind you, they'd probably get time wasters only. The government was keen to talk up the achievement of importing these frozen vaccines. This is an historic day for Australia. One of the largest logistic exercises ever undertaken in this country uh, has been planned for, Mr Speaker, and is now underway. It's one of the largest logistics tasks Australia has ever undertaken. Yeah, you you do realise we've hosted the Olympics in Australia twice, right? And back then we couldn't just freeze the Olympic athletes and fly them over in a styrofoam box. And you do realise we import frozen ice cream from overseas all the time. Like, I literally spent all of lockdown last year eating Ben and Jerry's fish food on the couch. We do import things into Australia. It's what we're good at. Yes, so the vaccine is on track to start being administered next week. And don't worry, the government is going to ensure there's an orderly queue. Aged care residents and quarantine workers will be the first to get the jab. But also included in that first round of doses, the Prime Minister. The Prime Minister will roll up his sleeve for the Pfizer vaccine on national television. So arguably Australia's least essential worker during the entire pandemic, Scott Morrison, will be among the first to get a COVID vaccine, jumping the queue over many elderly and vulnerable people. And he's going to do it live on national television. Now, they haven't worked out the hosts yet, but I think we'll be in for some sort of awful variety special like Hamish and Andy's Jab Year or The Masked Inoculator.
Even then, Lindsay Lohan still won't know who Scott Morrison is. <laughs> Meanwhile, Health Minister Greg Hunt got in trouble last week for releasing a Twitter post announcing the Australian government had secured additional vaccines, but with the Liberal Party logo on the image. It led to this heated exchange with Michael Rowland on ABC News Breakfast. Australian it's an Australian people. government announcement. Who paid for the vaccines? Well, uh, let us draw a clear distinction here. I know this is an issue for you. In many ways, uh, you identify with the left. You do this a lot, and, and I respect no, that. No, Minister, no, uh, no, no. You're open about that, and that's entirely a matter No, I find that offensive. I'm asking you. Oh, I, I'm, I'm exercised about what's There's what's, nobody what's who's right watching who doesn't identify you with the left. I'm exercised. You should be open about that. I'm bemused, but I did predict but, to people that okay. Michael Rowland would spend 50% of this interview no, on this topic, 50%. rather than on the safety of vaccines, right rather than wrong. on the rollout I mean, of vaccines, uh, rather than on the protection I'm very exercised of the Australian about that public. as well. But it just struck me as odd seeing a party, and I'd ask the same question about uh, the Labor governments, a party political logo attached to an Australian government announcement. No, with great respect, this was a tile uh, which acknowledged that which had already been acknowledged entirely within the rules, entirely appropriately, uh, and acknowledging that we come from that. But I, I, I win the bet uh, with my office uh, that you would spend 50% of this interview on that topic. OK, let's let's dig into this a little bit. So Greg Hunt there admitted that the Liberals were basically shitposting to Twitter to try and trigger and troll the ABC. Well, good job, mission accomplished. Um... But hey, journalists, media, here's an idea. What if we just ignore the Liberal Party every time they try and troll us with an obvious breach of their ethical standards and not lower ourselves to playing their games? Because that's literally what they are. They're playing games with the media and then betting on how we'll react around their office. And then uh, on to Greg Hunt's tactic there. Basically, he accused a journalist who asked him a difficult question of being a lefty. And uh, it's certainly a tactic that I bet uh, former Liberal leader John Hewson wishes that he'd thought of during his famous 1993 GST birthday cake interview. If I buy a birthday cake from a cake shop and, and GST is in place, do I pay more or less? I know this is an issue for you. In many ways, uh, you identify with the left. Yes, and as for Michael Rowland uh, being a lefty, well, he has such a reputation for being a recalcitrant lefty that uh, Treasurer Josh Frydenberg has refused to appear on his show and be interviewed except for the over 30 times he's been on it, including this fiery 2019 confrontation when Frydenberg invited Marxist communist Antifa Roland to his office to kick a footy around. Hey, Michael, how are you? Great to see you. Good to see you. Yeah. We're heading to surplus, we know, so what about a bit of a stimulus package for the Carlton Football Cup? <laughs> We've seen how past treasurers have dealt with stress. So on that basis, I know a good cigar store, Josh Frydenberg <laughs> in Canberra, I could, I could show you to this afternoon. I'll leave them in the ashtray for now, and uh, I've got a football in the office and kick that around uh, from time to time, avoiding breaking any windows. Good skills. Treasury, thank you so much. Busy day. Oh, my God. What a grilling. No wonder Frydenberg only agrees to go on Michael Rowland's show literally all the time. To other news now and in Melbourne, Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Here we go again. Melburnians dragged back into lockdown. 
Victoria is now in lockdown take three. Yes, Melbourne in lockdown take three and everyone's hoping the director isn't Stanley Kubrick. Stage four restrictions designed to be a circuit breaker after the highly contagious UK variant escaped hotel quarantine from the Holiday Inn. Yes, everyone sing it. Hotel, motel, Holiday Inns weren't designed as medical facilities to contain highly infectious diseases. But don't worry, the Victorian government is making sure that all the blame for this snap lockdown goes exactly where it should, at a COVID-positive asthma sufferer currently in intensive care. The outbreak is believed to have started by a COVID-infected man who used a nebulizer for his asthma while in quarantine. The 38-year-old man blamed for triggering the outbreak by using a nebulizer in his room has now made bombshell claims of a cover-up, saying he was told twice by staff the device was allowed. I get the feeling this poor guy asked if he was allowed to use his nebulizer and the hotel quarantine staff were probably like, whatever, Trekkie, we didn't realise Supernova was back on. Nanu, nanu, nerd. Thankfully, though, in Victoria, not every industry is shut down. We have been told the Australian Open will go ahead, but it will be under very different circumstances. The tennis players and their support staff are being considered essential workers. Ah, yes, Australian Open tennis players are essential workers. Essential for ESPN and Channel 9's ratings. This lockdown, happening over the same weekend as Valentine's Day and the Lunar New Year, seems to have frayed the nerves of many Melburnians, including this woman. What do I think about it? It's a crock of That's what I think about it. Yeah, she was so unimpressed, she showed up on all three commercial networks' nightly news to say the exact same vox pop. Here she is on 7 News, 9 News and 10 News last Saturday. As a city soaks up its last moments of freedom. What do I think about it? It's a crock of That's what I think about it. We're going to see some big problems in the future. What do I think about it? It's a crock of That's what I think about it. And he's uh, making my work quiet down as well. What do I think about it? It's a crock of That's what I think about it. Wow, it's almost like all three networks are so cheap. They only pay one uni student to go out and film all the news now. I wonder what that camera operator thinks about their news clips being used over and over again. It's a crock of That's what I think about it. There were also the predictable anti-lockdown protesters again, uh, including this guy who urged everyone to go and do some incestuous activities. Get out of your houses. Kiss your nana on the lips. Yeah, who even does that outside of a pandemic? I don't know about you. I really don't want to see this guy's Tinder matches. That's for sure. Last week on the show, we had an in-depth look at the past year of COVID containment measures here in Australia. So this week I thought, what if we had a look at what the future might look like in five years' time? Hello, I'm Dylan Behan. Welcome to the Newsfighters News Audio Podcast for the 22nd of January, 2026. Proudly brought to you by Burger Rings Milk. And shapes flavoured shapes. In the news today, it was announced Melbourne and the entire state of Victoria will enter yet another snap five-day lockdown, their 74th lockdown in total and sixth so far this year. And unlike the 36th, 29th and 24th lockdowns, benevolent and omnipotent Australian Emperor Daniel Andrews, blessings in peace be upon him, has declared a 5% increase in the daily rations of protein chinos. In sports news, the 3,000 athletes in Melbourne for the annual Nebulizer Endurance World Championships have been classified as essential workers and the competition can continue. 
in movie news. The latest James Bond movie, No Time to Die, has been pushed back by yet another six months. All three commercial TV networks went out on the street and asked people for their reaction. What do I think about it? It's a crock of That's what I think about it. All right, welcome back to Newsfighters. Joining me now is uh, ARIA award-winning ex-Tonightly songman and director of the new show Whistleblower at the Perth Festival. It's uh, Wyatt Nixon Lloyd. How are you going, Wyatt? Yay! Yay! Thanks for having me on the show, Dylan. Thanks, yeah. man. It's good to see your face again. Yeah, I know. I um, When I sent you that text, I realised the last time we texted, like, the first episode of Tonightly. And since then, we were like, "Oh, really? Well, we just have, yeah." It says, "Haven't you last changed text I said, phones <laughs> since then?" I'm about yeah. three oh, phones yeah. since then. <laughs> the last text from you was about robots falling over, <laughs> and you were like, "We need more robots." I was like, "I'm on it." <laughs> That's right. We used to sit next to each other, and and Wyatt would help me find wacky clips yeah. of robots. When uh, I think right. in the first in the first season, we were making these hilarious breakers, which was just like, mm. what's some funny clips we can put together? Robots <laughs> falling over. Yes, great. I love yeah. it. And then eventually yeah. Ballard was like, look, I love your work, guys, but maybe a bit less of the robots. <laughs> yeah, robots aren't news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What have you been up to? I mean, uh, uh, since, I guess, tonightly. You've look, been, so you're been- living in Perth now. You're in Melbourne for a while. You're working with the yeah, project. Yeah, I here. actually went Melbourne and then I went to LA for six months and spent a stupid amount of money because the exchange rate was awful and came back to Australia just at the start of 2020 to save up more money. And then, thank God, I was out of America when COVID hit. Jeez, And so I ended up, I've ended up leaving Melbourne as well and I'm in Perth. So I've just been on the COVID retreat (laughs) one destination after another. Yes. And so, yeah. New Zealand um, next. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Get, then like New Caledonia to... or somewhere or Fiji. Yeah, or that's right. I'll end up in Greenland. Yeah, so I'm over in Perth and um, been very lucky over here. I'm working on a show for the Perth Festival, which was going to be the first international festival of theatre coming back. And then, of course, we have just tomorrow we finish our five days of lockdown. And so the festival is going ahead in air quotes, but a lot of venue capacities are rapidly being reassessed. Right. So it's just just like when there's an incredibly viral uh, world uh, virus and everyone and your career is in live entertainment, it's it feels pretty crazy to be still a year on going, no, nah, we can do live gigs. Well, I, I mean, know, Perth, Perth has been like pretty clear run up till now it's been i imagine everything i've been seeing like the clips of new year's eve in perth were just like what COVID? everyone was just partying and dancing and and there have been clips coming from like hot tub time machine playing festivals and it's like yeah the land that COVID forgot and then bang was it it was a five-day lockdown i think it's that classic wait a while thing like we get COVID late. You know what I mean? Yeah, everything yeah. comes to Perth after everywhere else. Because everyone was still living in a pre-COVID world and now totally. I think we're definitely caught up to everyone. Uh, but all things going ahead, tell us a bit about the show. The website describes it as uh, Truman Show meets an escape room. Does that mean you can like 
press a button and have it rain on the pe- on the cast whenever you want. Oh, like in Truman we show have, or- yeah, we have. Um, <laughs> the the concept of the show, which is stupid for COVID, is that the main <laughs> character is an audience member. And so they come up and they're on stage in basically these soundproof boxes. We've got four soundproof boxes and they're all rigged with cameras and microphones. But it's just been an absolute nightmare (laughs) of how do you keep someone 1.5 metres away if the box is only two metres wide? Like, it's been... the, The COVID on top of the problem of doing a Truman Show live on stage has been an extra little aneurysm for us all. So so is it you do you select an audience member at random like it's prices well, right? Well because or? of covid we have to 20 people have pre-bought tickets to each night so that's like there's like let's say there's 200 in the theater 20 of them buy an interactive ticket and from those 20 people we will select all our characters right yeah and then there's, and so, there's the big fear i imagine like with improv if you know if you've been to any improv shows you get someone up on stage and they just want to say racist or sexist or or really yeah. juvenile things like yeah. poo poo and then you're like oh this is great this show is yeah. a disaster now yeah and you've and you've also <laughs> chosen them you're like we're stuck with them for another hour oh boy oh dear yeah right <laughs> But yeah, so it is, it's a massive risk undertaking. And then it's just been compounded by the fact that we've had to compromise a lot of things based on COVID spacing and COVID safety. Like there's no big group scenes where everyone has uh, a spit orgy. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> and actually, Dylan, it's going to come to Sydney. That was, my ne- that was my next question. That was my next question. You're coming around the country. Yeah, so we have Melbourne and Sydney confirmed in the sense that venues have said, yes, we'll take it. But they've all said, can you give us a second to sort out our programming? So it might be 2022, it might be, might be 2023, but both Sydney and Melbourne have said they want the show. So that's fantastic. Look, hopefully you can tour and we can see the show without traveling interstate because I don't think people, I don't think people will be doing that for a while. But how, how have things been in Perth? How has Perth coped with the lockdown? Was it a bit of a, a wake up call? Well, I People think- wearing masks for the first time. I saw everyone in Perth queuing up to, to panic buy and no one was wearing a mask. I was like, this is yeah. very weird. They don't know how to do this properly. Yeah, and I think what's also interesting is definitely amongst my family and friends, we have Perth and Melbourne have quite a there's a lot of cross pollination. And right. so there was a little bit of everyone in Perth being like, Look, we're doing our own one. <laughs> we're just like you. We're big boys. <laughs> Yeah. Look, oh, wow. We ran out of toilet paper too. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty funny. Um, look, everyone's kind of loved it. They're like, yeah, it's pretty serious. We take COVID pretty seriously here. <laughs> but I think I think what's um, pretty interesting is how WA at its core has always had a chip on its shoulder about being the one left out. Mm. And so this whole Mark McGowan acting out it just feels like of course it's going to be highly popular for the wa premier to tell the rest of australia to get lost yeah like, yeah to lash out at, to lash out at gladys and you, know, you don't know what you're doing and then it turns out perth all the hotel quarantine workers are you know i don't know not wearing, wearing masks not wearing masks <laughs> and working second jobs and not getting tested yeah. and everyone's like oh, I, oh sorry sorry <laughs> who's telling who how to Manage COVID. That's right. <laughs> that's right. But he's he's going to stomp it in at the next election. Like that's well, that's what I, I was getting to. How's how's um, Mark McGowan polling over there? He's labor. He's labor, of course. For those of us who yeah, he don't is. He's labor, and um, 
And pre-COVID, he was looking really shaky, to be right. honest. Right, interesting. Ever- yeah. How long definitely. has he been in? Has he been in for a long time? Sorry, I haven't done my uh, research. Is he's he- got an election coming up. So he was he won the last election right. a- against um, Colin Barnett, who had wasted a lot of Right, the so, th- so this is first from- first term. First term. From first the term, that's right. right. Gotcha. First term, he was stuck with no money, right? And uh, didn't really have, couldn't really fulfill a lot of things he promised. Because of just there's no money and typical um, typical labor problem promise a lot and then go ah <laughs> oh, the cupboards are bare <laughs> yeah that's right and look I I think I think his success Mark McGowan's success is a also direct result of Scott Morrison's unwillingness to make any decisions because yep. then when he steps up in this vacuum and starts going well we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this everyone's like hey look someone who's decisive. And his popularity soars. The sta- but all the states have had to have had to yeah. step up. If if Scott Morrison could overrule the premiers, who knows what state the country would be in right now? Would probably be ne- would have wouldn't have had any lockdowns, maybe. And I think yeah, well, exactly. We could be looking at a UK situation. What's fascinating is they've had they've changed the leader of the opposition because no one wants to run against him. Yes, and Poison this Chalice. new guy. Have you seen his policy on the environment? No, he's, he's, he's a young out. guy, right? I don't know his name off the top of my head. Yeah, he's come out and said his name's Zach Kirup, and yep. he said, um, Kirkup, sorry. He said that uh, by 2025, WA needs to shut down all its coal mines and go 100% renewable. And what's crazy is now the Labor government, which has already been pretty pro-renewables, investing in opening up new solar projects, investing in electric cars, has now had to tell the Liberal Party that they're too advanced on renewables. So it's a... Wow. It's a, it's it's a, a different country yeah. over there. Well, I think I think this young guy's come out and gone, look, let's just go for it. Let's just throw everything at the wall. We got no chance of See, winning. Let's just do whatever. But I think what's going to happen is there's no way they were going to win regardless of this policy. And then this policy will be tainted by you tried that and you lost... But there's no way they're going to come up against Mark McGowan anyway. Before you go, uh, I thought it might be fun to play uh, a song um, that you and Bridie did at the beginning of, of the pandemic. I think it was April or May last year. You guys did a yeah. did a song. Uh, t- tell us about the song. What was it called? What happened was we all got together at the start of the pandemic, Dylan, and you and me and everyone else, we thought, what if this is what brings back to Nightly? And <laughs> so we right. made we did a, little a half our pilot. And we shopped around and everyone said, no, definitely no. <laughs> and so just it's just good going into a pandemic to have a reminder that your dreams are still crushed. Yeah, no, people want yeah, people so want to see we- uh, Norman Swan reading numbers out every night. That's that's entertainment yeah. in April and May last that's year. That's what Australia needs. Yes. And so we made um we made this uh pilot and we finished off the pilot, I think, on a song that yes. uh Going into the pandemic, one of the things we noticed was that you aren't going out as much and so you also aren't missing out on other people going out. So we wrote a song about FOMO and how one of the upsides is that FOMO's gone with COVID. All right, Wyatt, thanks for joining us. For everyone in Perth, the show is called Whistleblower. Uh, Where's it on? Where's it at? I've got 27th of February to 7th of March at the Heath Ledger Theatre. Yep, that's right. And it's already sold out. Oh, really? Sorry. Well, (laughs) get your tickets. Jump in your time machine and get your tickets (laughs) from before it's sold out. Uh, So let's, uh, Wyatt, thanks for joining us. Let's leave on the song. Yep, thanks very much for having me. Cheers. Check it out. Here it is. 
I used to be affected really badly by FOMO. It's hard being on your phone, seeing everyone living their best lives when you're all alone. But now, thanks to the lockdown, things are different. Well, I used to get sad as I stayed at home and looked at social media on my phone. Everyone was partying and I was alone, but now that's all changed. Well, the fear I'm missing now, well, it used to do my head and used to get sad if I missed out on a birthday or a wedding. Even got jealous about my cousin's pole there and now that's all changed. Why? Cause there's no fun on the road. Well, it's happening worldwide. There's no fun on the road. Everyone's stuck inside. No fun on the road. Well, I can't feel excluded. No fun on the road. Until this lockdown's concluded. I used to get sad when y'all were in the club getting lit. But now I don't mind it. No one bit. I just sit at home and I continue to sit. And I'm fine with it. Used to worry about missing out on happy hour. Now I worry about missing out on wholemeal fire. Nothing to do but take a wank in the shower. And I'm fine with that. It's fine. Have a wank in the shower. There's no fun on the road. Being jealous is taxing. There's no fun on the road. Constellation to lack. No fun on the road. Now I can't be a fan. There's no fun on the road. Oh, the lockdown is Alrighty, that's News Fighters for today, the 17th of February, 2021. News Fighters is written, presented, and produced by me, Dylan Bain, for Sans Pants Radio. A big thank you to Wyatt Nixon Lloyd and Bridie Connell for letting me use their song there. To support the show and hear the extended interview with Wyatt, or ad-free episodes, as well as a monthly bonus episode, subscribe to Sans Pants Plus at sanspantsradio.com slash plus. And now... For a behind-the-scenes secret you may not be aware of, many podcasts pre-record their episodes weeks ahead. News Fighters isn't one of those, as we're a topical news show. So uh, I'm going to take next week off to catch my breath and inhale a new bunch of wacky clips. In the meantime, feel free to catch up on some old episodes or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. In the meantime, keep fighting, wear a mask, wash your hands and bye for now. This is News Fighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.